The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. The price is very expensive. Can you afford the full price? Because heaven will never go on sale. Welcome to Heaven's Shop. What will you buy today? I want to read for you this story. It's a story I love. It is both exciting and terrifying. Luke, the second chapter. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Luke, the second chapter. The story of Jesus being born, being put in a manger. There was no room in the inn. I said exciting and terrifying because... This was a divine being coming from someplace other than earth. And he was coming to his own as a baby. Terrifying because what does God want? And what is God going to do? When God shows up, Something amazing is about to happen. And will we be able to access, to accept, to believe what this 
incredible creator God has to say to us. I like the way the Apostle John puts it in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the word. That's a Greek word, logos. And it means the creative power behind everything. The the logos is the creator of heaven and earth. All things reside in him. And now this word, this creator God, the Almighty who has created the universes, who has created the sun and the moon and the stars, he has created the earth. He has created human persons. This word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's how John puts this. Now the question, of course, that that must be asked is, why did Jesus come? What was his purpose in coming? It was not to create Christmas trees and ornaments. Jesus did not come to earth so that we could have a Christmas. In fact, Christmas, as we know it in our culture, has nothing to do with Jesus. It's a magical pagan myth. We've spray-painted it with Jesus. But Christmas is not Jesus. Why did he come? If he didn't come to give us wonderful, sentimental celebrations, if he did not come to give us 
encouragement as we face the long, dark days of winter. Why did he come? Well, I want to read for you what that wonderful man, the Apostle John, said about why Jesus came. Let's make no mistake about this. Your eternal life hangs on your understanding of why Jesus came and whether or not you are willing and able to pay the full price for salvation. Because, according to John, which I just read for you, God has given us the privilege, the right, to become children of God. But these are children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. In other words, Jesus came to give us the opportunity to be born from God. Flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There is going to have to be a total change in my life and in yours if we're going to be born of God. And it's going to cost you everything. This is truth in advertising. Heaven will not go on sale as the modern church teaches. They teach you can get a discount on righteousness and on salvation. There is no discount here. It is all of God. It is being born of God. It is being made into a new creature by Jesus Christ, by his blood, and by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've said these words, but please, most of us don't have a clue about what I just said. Like Pablo, we we salivate for it. Yes, we want Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Yes, we want to go to heaven. Oh, but there's a price to pay. It's a high price. I'm going to talk about that price. Because Jesus did not come to create some sentimental Christmas tree. I'm okay, you're okay. Psycho language, self-help. Jesus didn't come to give us that. Let me read for you what John says he came for. This is the third chapter of 1 John, which I've referred to many times before, but please listen to it in the light of what I'm saying to you today, and then we're going to talk about it. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, Sin is lawlessness. In other words, sin is not missing the mark. That's the classical definition of sin, but it is not the biblical definition of sin. The biblical definition of sin is willful, voluntary rebellion against God. And the scriptures say we have all been in rebellion against God. And so as we come to this whole 
birth of Jesus. We have to recognize that Jesus is born among us to break the rebellion of our hearts and to give us birth into God. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin, our rebellion. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. In other words, when this transition is made and you are born of God, while you're here on this earth, not in some future time, this is before you die you won't continue walking in sin because you've been born of God. Listen, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So if you continue to walk in sin, and we're going to talk about what that is, you don't know God. You may be very religious, and you may be a churchgoer, pay your tithe, do your best to be a good person. Be, do your best to love everybody. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Now listen. The reason the Son of God was born in a manger, the reason the Son of God appeared on this earth was to destroy the devil's work to destroy the devil's work in my life and in your life. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Well, That's why Jesus came. He came to destroy the work of the devil in your heart and mine. And when we look in the book of Acts, we find the promise of Jesus coming, the promise of the Holy Spirit to indwell, to give a thorough cleaning out of all that is unclean, to transfer us into the kingdom of God. It was called Pentecost. Pentecost means 50, 50 days, 
It was the celebration the Jews held. 50 days. They held the celebration to celebrate the coming of the law on Mount Sinai. But the law was unable to transfer us into the kingdom of God. There has to be something else. And so righteousness now comes from a new source, not from the law. Righteousness now comes according to First Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter, the first chapter. Romans, the first chapter. There's another source of righteousness, and that source of righteousness is that Christ who was born and laid in a manger. Now, if you do not have Pentecost, you're in trouble. Because Pentecost means the dying out of our old self-life in this old man nature, in the sin nature. That means ambitions, pride, anger, selfishness, bitterness, discouragement, depression. Did I say fear? This dying out can only happen to us if we're willing to get alone with God, if we're willing to quiet our spirits before a holy God, and we're willing to let the Holy Spirit do his work in our hearts. A real Christian means to become a martyr. That word It's an old word. It means being willing to die. It also means being willing to witness. Are you willing to pay the price to become a real Christian? To accept the cutting off of friendships? Are you willing to accept that you will be accused falsely of many things? You will be condemned by many in the world because God has only one standard for his church. Only one standard for all time. A man once asked Martin Luther if he could recommend a book for him that was both agreeable and useful. And Luther replied, Such a question is beyond my ability. The better things are, the less they please. Now, let's be clear. I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying. I don't want you to mistake what it costs to be a Christian.
the disciples in Matthew, the 13th chapter, going into the house with Jesus. And they wanted to know what the parable of the, of the weeds in the field meant. So Jesus begins to talk with them about the weeds. The weeds in scripture are those who say, I will follow Jesus and then don't. They are the ones who say, I will pay the price to become a Christian and then don't. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. This is not a parable now. This is Jesus speaking about what's going to happen at the judgment day. And he's saying, everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they will throw them into the fiery furnace. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, it's going to be a very conscious awareness of what we have lost out on. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. We have this incredible deception that many believe today that heaven is cheap. All you need to say is, yes, I will follow Jesus. Yes, I repent of my sins. Yes, I will accept him. And you're good to go. It's a lie. If you practice rebellion against God, you will not be in the kingdom above. But in order for us to stop sinning, we have to be born out of God. We have to be born again. Now, Jesus said that to Nicodemus, you must be born from above. And Nicodemus said, come on, how's that possible? Let me read for you. This is Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now let me try to, let me try to talk about this. I've not been very good at this. The strong die out hard. And if we don't die out, we can't be born from above. 
for flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So this morning, I was sitting before the Lord, as I often do. And I was saying to him, Lord, I'm tired. I need to rest. And immediately the question entered into my mind. Well, Ray, where do you rest? Hmm. That's a key question. How do you answer that question? Where do you rest? We have grown up in a culture that is busy, 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 busy. People will say to me, Pastor, I know you're very busy, but could I take a moment of your time? And when I answer them, no, I'm not busy at all. I'm waiting on the Lord. Of course, let's talk. They look at me like I'm crazy. Pastors are supposed to be very, very busy. A busy pastor is not a godly pastor. Jonathan Edwards would spend 18 hours a day in his closet, in his little study, reading the scriptures and praying, fasting, waiting on God. Grieving over the sin of his church. And that's when the Lord gave him the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It takes a brutal decision to stop our busyness. But you cannot be born of God and be busy. I'm sorry. You cannot be born of God and be busy. To be born of God is going to require that you spend much time in his presence, waiting before him, praying, seeking his face. Now, I'm very inclined to stay busy. I can find projects everywhere. As I look about my study, I see things that are not done, that I'm eager to get to. I have cards that I need to send out. I have have people that I need to go see. I, I have a house to take care of. I have a yard to take care of. In my yard, the leaves all fell and covered the ground. And then the windstorm came, picked up all the leaves and moved them over to my neighbor's yard. Well, I'd like to go over to my neighbor's yard and clean up all the leaves that came from my yard and from his. 
I have many things that I'd like to do, projects that I'm working on, messages to prepare, sermons to prepare, people to visit, poor people to take money to, or food. I have a a whole list of phone calls I need to make after this broadcast today, text messages to answer. Well, as I sat there this morning, deliberately being unbusy, for I will not allow myself to be caught in busyness. I know that busyness blocks the work of the Holy Spirit in a man or woman's heart. It took the shepherds time to leave their flocks and go see the Christ child. It took the wise men a great deal of time and effort to bring their gifts to Jesus. You cannot come to Jesus without spending that time. So as I sat before the Lord this morning, and the question was posed to me, where do you go to rest, Ray? And I didn't like my answer. My answer was, I rest in the reading of books. I rest listening to music. I rest walking down along the river in Occoquan, a little Indian village down on the water. I rest by choosing to be doing some of my favorite things. But Jesus said, Come unto me. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I said, Lord, I need to come to you a lot more than I am. Well, what keeps me from coming to the Lord? I'm going to be very honest with you. Very vulnerable. What keeps me from coming to the Lord to rest in him? Well, my answer is, the pain of my heart. That may seem like a strange answer, but let me explain. Many things have happened to me in my life that have been tragic. The loss of my wife, the loss of a son, the loss of precious friends, the loss of homes, the loss of recognition and success in my ministry. I have many things that have caused me great pain in my heart. Now, the question is, when there's pain in my heart, what do I do? Well, 
the first thing I do is go do something, get busy. That pushes the pain down in a way so I'm not conscious of it, so I don't have to feel it. What else do I do when I feel the pain? I eat. I comfort myself with a good steak. What else do I do when I feel the pain in my heart? I want to talk to some friends. Why do I not run to Jesus? Because Jesus will not push my pain down and let me veg out. When I come to Jesus, he brings forth the pain. And there are tears and sorrow. And almost all of the pain that has been in my heart and in my life has been caused by me. It's caused by my response to what's happening in my life. Now, if you want to die out, you're going to have to bring that pain of your heart to Jesus and stop running, stop hiding, become naked before God. Let him remove the fig leaves, fig leaves of busyness, Fig leaves of failure. Fig leaves of feeling like you're a victim. You're going to have to let Jesus remove the fig leaves from your life. And I want to be very straight with you. You cannot, you cannot buy the kingdom of God. without paying full price. And the full price of the kingdom of God is a total emptying of your own heart and your own life. And it is turning away those entertainments, those hobbies, those things that you do that ease you and allow you to veg out It is turning aside from those things, facing honestly your own spiritual condition before a holy and righteous God, and saying to him, I covenant with you that my life will be used only for your kingdom and your glory, and that I will not hide in the bushes ever again. I will be completely transparent. I will allow you full access to my heart, Jesus. A dear friend who is a Buddhist lost her husband to Lou Gehrig's disease. I've known this family for many, many years. Of course, I was asked to do the funeral, and I did. 
I went to visit her just recently to see how she was doing and, and take her a big poinsettia as a, as a gift. She was still six months after the funeral, utterly without hope, having a hard time getting up in the morning, not thinking life was even worth living. She has no hope. Life for her is going to dead end in death, and there is nothing beyond that for her. And now she recognizes that she has to face life alone without her husband. She wants to travel, but she has no one to travel with. And when I try to talk with her about Jesus, she angrily cuts me off. We all deal with our grief and our sorrow, our pain, rejection, condemnation, failure, loss of health or income. We all deal differently with it, but all of us who are in the flesh will deal with it by avoidance. Distraction. We don't want to look at it. When you come to Jesus, it's different. Even in the great sorrow I had when I lost my wife, and I think I wept every day for three months, my heart was utterly broken. But in that terrible time of grieving, Jesus was very close and very present. And I knew he was carrying me. But now I know I have to go much deeper. I have to let the Holy Spirit search my heart. I have to honestly look at what is it that I choose to rest in. And if I'm choosing to rest in that, why am I resting in that thing of flesh and darkness instead of resting in the glorious light of Jesus Christ? This Christ child came into the world to utterly destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy pain and anguish and suffering. He came to bring us into the glorious light of the gospel, to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that we have total victory over all darkness and over all wickedness. Now, we don't have the Pentecost in the American church. The Holy Spirit is working in many of us, and he's calling us deeper and deeper, and he is doing a work of preparation in our hearts that we would turn aside from all wickedness, 
not so much now for me, outward acts of rebellion, because I don't go there anymore. I don't do those things that I used to do. He has delivered me. But now it's the inner, deep inner hiding in my own spirit with busyness or with with illusions, with vegging out. We love the things of death and darkness. We seem to love in our flesh the world. And we listen to see if we're being respected and loved. And if we're not, we become very defensive and discouraged. All of this has to change if we're going to walk in Pentecost power. If we're going to walk in the kingdom of heaven born out of God. Please, we're going to have to go much deeper than any of us have gone yet. We're going to have to come to a total end of our own resources. We're going to have to come to a total end of our strong opinions. You see, my opinion does not establish reality. God's opinion establishes reality. I am not truth. Jesus is the truth. So I'm going to have to give up what I think I have attained in this life. I'm going to have to give up those things that I look to and say, yes, I've done that for Jesus. No. As I rest before Jesus and he begins to deal with my inner being and my inner heart, I see that all that I have done has been as filthy rags. I see the pride of my heart. I see the hard edge of defensiveness. I see the hard edge of judgment against my brother or my sister. I see the utter deprivation of my soul. And I know the only answer is that that old man has to, has to go. He has to be buried six feet deep, face down, so that the more he tries to struggle, he goes deeper and deeper, and he's out of my life. You see, this Christmas deal, it's sentimental, it's sweet and sugary. Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Robert Schuler, and now this shiny teeth guy out in Texas. Used by the devil to fool God's people into a cheap religion. A cheap theology. A cheap life. Where you grab and growl what you think you want that will please your human spirit never recognizing that we have to die. To be born from above is to be crucified with Christ. 
Romans, the sixth chapter. Yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, an ugly little town. I've been there, a dirty little town. I ate in a wonderful restaurant that precious Christian brothers and sisters own. And then downstairs they had the workshop with beautiful wood carvings, and I would have loved to have bought one of those. But Bethlehem itself? The grotto was there, the little cave that was probably the the place where Jesus was born. Probably not a wooden manger, but probably a stone. A stone manger, because that's what they have a great deal of. They have lots of stones and not much wood. That's where Jesus came. Not to Jerusalem, to the temple and the glory of the, of the Jewish people. He came to a dirty town, Bethlehem of Judea. This Christ child came to destroy the works of the people in your life and mine. And I'm determined to finish this work in the name of Jesus and to be born of God. To die out. But to die out, the strong die out hard. And we need the Holy Spirit to come sweeping into our churches and into our lives. to put us on our faces before God, to cause us to rest in Jesus, to be filled with his presence. I want you to die out with me. I don't want you to be caught up in the sentimental slop of Christmas. I don't want you to be caught up in the spirit of Christmas. It's a pagan spirit. It's a sentimental, sloppy spirit. I want you to get real with Jesus. I want you to die out. If you'd like to do that, get alone with God and begin to answer his questions honestly. Let him examine your heart. Ask yourself, where do I go to rest? Do I rest in the TV? Do I rest in the, in the games, video games? Do I rest in my hobbies and my sports? Do I rest in the, the novels? Where do I go to rest? The call is for you to come and rest in Jesus. And he will give you real rest. You're also welcome to come and and journey with a small company of people, unimportant, nobodies, I'm nobody, at the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come on Sunday morning. We begin at 10, be here a little early so you can begin to pray with us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. 
And there you'll find how to contact us. You'll find out where we live. This is the Lord's house. And we'll have lunch at 12. You're welcome to come. You're also welcome to write to me. I would love to hear from you. We're coming to the end of the month and we're still far from where we need to be. TK, Dirk, several of you have given in the last 24 hours. I praise God for your generosity. Thank you. You're giving to Jesus for the work of his gospel. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online there. My brother, my sister, are you willing to pay the price? Can you afford the price? in heaven's shop to buy salvation. It's not on sale. The full price is you must die, be crucified with Christ, and follow him. I love you. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. I'll talk to you soon.